to Cotton in the Rocket Ship. I am your host, Lennox Mars Jr. This is Season 2, Episode 8, and I'm going to call this um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom Review. And so, I want to do something different. I wanted to review Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and it's currently on Netflix. And of course, I'm not getting a check from Netflix, but I think Netflix is doing a wonderful job of highlighting and showcasing um, uh, African-American perspective, you know, in certain mediums, which is is movies and plays and and so forth. And they have been dropping a lot of money and giving a lot of money to to black writers and black productions. And um, it gives people a means of a platform that's different than Hollywood because a lot of voices may not have been heard in the arts and it's very ironic that um, as an African American and as a child of of the, the diaspora I like the arts you know I may not <laughs> I'm not the best dancer not the I can't sing a lick, but um, I have a good ear for music. I like going to Broadway plays. I love hip hop culture. I love blues, jazz. I love rock. There's very few mediums and art forms that I don't like. I love reggae because of um, the Caribbean background, the Caribbean cultural background that I have. Um, Soka, all of it. So, I'm sort of a, a uh, anything from our culture, from Africa on, whether it's Afrobeat, Fela Kuti, um, to, geez, to like Capleton or even Vibes Cartel, uh, Movado, to a uh, Sun House, James Brown. Shoot. New Jack Swing. Rhythm and Blues. If it's our culture, you name it. I love it. Um, or I love some aspect of it. As, as far as the arts go. And August Wilson, to me, he embodies a, a, a professionalism. And he, he embodies... A writer's writer, and he is tapped into our culture, or he was tapped into our culture um, on a historical and current um, perspective. And of course, because some of the plays that were written in mind from from uh, Mr. August Wilson, it, it has a very historical perspective. Some of it, it it's it's formed in like the nineteen the early 1900s, probably like the 1920s. Um, some of it, it, it may be like around the 1950s, 1940s, like the, the scenes and the settings. But when I tell you the writing and the, the moments are so current, and sometimes I, I look at it as, um, I feel a little sad because these moments are still relevant in today's society but however it, it captures and encapsulate our struggle so well 
And he often got into a little historical background, a little background about August Wilson is that he often got into these spats with other directors and other playwrights and other um, Broadway writers because he felt the need that Africans and African-Americans needed to tell their story the way they need to see it fit. And a lot of um, the debate were, was that, you know, anybody should, could be able to write anything. And he said yes and no, but for black people, they should be able to write their own experiences. They should be able to share their own experience and give it to the audience. And the audience should be receptive of it because it's, it's coming from a place of genuine, um, genuine experience. And so when I listen to anything that August Wilson, whether it's old Charlie Rose um, interviews or going to see Fences. Fences is to me one of the the best um, works that I, I have ever experienced because it was so reflective of my life as far as like me being James Earl Jones's son. Like my dad was, was similar to <laughs> similar to James Earl Jones, um, and even Denzel Washington, who played a, a very good role in Fences, the movie. But I actually saw Fences. Um, on, I actually saw it at NJ Pack, but it wasn't done by James Earl Jones, of course. It was done um, by another gentleman, but it played a great role. But then when I saw the role with James Earl Jones, I was blown away because uh, even though my father looks nothing like James Earl Jones, I don't think no one could look like James Earl Jones. He's a giant, you know, fair skinned, deep voice. But my dad is actually the polar opposite. He's a, a short, not really short, average height West Indian man very quiet and humble but the demeanor the the capture of, of being a black man in, in the, this landscape having to be a provider having to to look at your wife every day day in and day out and, and, and being able to produce in a society that wouldn't allow you to produce August Wilson hits the, the nail on the head every time with like the dialogue the back and forth and I remember him in one of his, uh, before I give the, the review, I'm just giving my, my props to August Wilson because he's no longer here, but he's here in spirit and he's here in his works. And it's very rich. His characters are very rich. And um, I remember him having an, a, 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 uh, he's basically talking to one of his, um, his actors in one of his plays. And she said, listen, I think you need some more female characters. And he was like, he took it. He was like, okay, we're going to wrap up for today. And they said they didn't see him in six months. <laughs> I was like, we didn't see him in six months. But he had characters, women characters fleshed out, black women characters, black heroine leads, you know, co-leads fleshed out with, with dialogue because he took that in. He, 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 um... He didn't shy away from constructive criticism. If you look at his, um, at some of his, uh, his interviews, he looks like a, he's a very contrite man. He's very, very introspective, very internal. So when he say these things, he kind of commands you to listen because he, he's, he's actually did the cycling through his, his, his body. You ever see a man that's seen a little conflicted but he does it in his craft 
And so these characters are coming from a place. And um, he's actually a great poet too. He, um, he has some of his poetry on YouTube too, um, which is m marvelous. So um, shout out to Mr. August Wilson. Um, there's actually a, a theater, I, I believe Off-Broadway, that's named after him in New York, which is um, greatly deserved because he has done for a lot for the culture even though people did give him a flack because he's a fair-skinned man, but uh, I, I hate getting into things like that because if you look at the phenotype of, of all of us from the, the diaspora and from the mainland of, of continent is that there's no one way to look African. You know, I met a brother from, uh, he's actually a mechanic. His, um, his name is Audi. He, he's from, um, he, he's from um, Morocco. He was from Morocco. He said his brother looked like me, and I'm a, a, a darker-skinned man. And he was like, my brother looks just like you. He's a fair-skinned guy. And um, and that's how it is, you know. When we, when we come across, you know, if you look at my family, the phenotype goes from very fair-skinned to very dark-skinned. And, um, and I think that's, a, you know, working in the Caribbean sometimes. Not saying that there isn't any colorism involved there's always color colorism involved in family or in our in our community however it's pretty dumbed down because you can have a mother that can have a, a dark-skinned child and a fair-skinned child i see it with all my aunts and uncles my aunts and uncles they're they're a rainbow of different colors and my grandmother was a fair-skinned woman herself um so i don't i hate getting into that that part but he took a lot of flack from other actually he took flack from from white individuals who say he can pass um but he made it his business to always say that he was a black man and i appreciate his works because um down to his writing and his casting he he, he embodied a lot of it so I, I spoke for 10 minutes just on august wilson alone and um i could speak for an hour about the gentleman because he, he um his mind is, is something that I, I wish we had today because he gives perspective, but we do have him today because he's 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 written down um, these plays that I think will last a, a testament of time, and I think that's what happens with good work and good writing is that it, it just stands the test of time. So we're gonna talk about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and we're gonna it, the the setting is is in um, Chicago, Illinois, in an, in probably the 1930s and 1940s might be the 1920s but Ma Rainey is a a a black woman from the south from coming from Georgia and she has gained her wealth and fortune due to her talent which she sings and her prize song is is called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and and for those who haven't seen it, I suggest you see it. I suggest you, you cut me off because there will be some spoilers here. There will be some spoilers, but I'll be talking more about the character development and um, some of the things that I saw that I wanted to, to, to touch on. And um, and we're first going to begin to, to Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey in the, this movie uh, called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, she's played by Viola Davis. Tremendous performance by by Miss Viola Davis. Um, Ma Rainey is a heavy set black woman. She almost embodies what we would call like um, you know these stereotypes of like what we would call the quote unquote mammy. 
so she's a big um, voluptuous woman black woman you know heavy on the assets God gave her two scoops of everything um, very beautiful woman and she sings these provocative songs, right? So in the South, what we would call provocative today, we, we got WAP, right? But Ma Rainey's Black Bottom would be, be considered like uh, like a WAP, right? It would be considered like something a Cardi B or Megan Thee Stallion, Stallion would sing at the time. So the song itself is provocative. And she's talking about her Black Bottom. And um, as she's singing, she, she's like the premier artist at the time and to give you a little bit of historical reference because i always give my audience some historical reference and um it's kind of like a book nerd i was a very bookworm and a, a nerd growing up but uh, but I, I love our culture i love all of it um from anything from the caribbean to africa i can't get enough of it but it's not to get off topic we had something called the chitlin circuit in the south and the chitlin circuit was that the reason why all of these black artists back then knew each other is because they had to compete against each other in the chitlin circuit. So black people will let you know whether you're good or not because to get in and to be recognized, you would have to perform along the South at these routes and these um, these venues that were black owned or these venues that were in the the woods, so to speak. Like you, you would have to perform in Black people would give you their money because they supported you. They supported what you did. They supported your, your your music, your writing. They supported your band. And that's how you were able to support yourself. And a lot of these artists would gain a lot of wealth. And you see that in that community now. And that's why when a, when a black artist would say something against the grain of black culture, we would cancel them. It's because it comes historically down to the chitlin circuit. Because a lot of the people that got the push to mainstream white media were individual that were supported and they continuously being supported by that black base, that traditional base that um that always would give their money regardless they fell off or not. And they call them race people. Like, you know, whether you were a race man or race woman. And so that's why you would see like a, a little Richard, a James Brown, a um a Sun House, a Howlin' Wolf, a Muddy Waters, um Aretha Franklin, any anyone, uh, um, uh, a um, ooh, dang, you know I just had a brain fart, but a um, a a a, a kind of like a not a Billy D Williams, but I'm sorry, a, a um, oh, Ray Charles, there we go, a Ray Charles. Um, all of these individuals in at a certain time had to come through the Chitlin circuit. If you were anybody, anybody that could sing back then or now, and I, I'm there, there are hundreds if not thousands of black people who came through the Chitlin circuit. And these were black owned venues and black owned spaces, safe spaces where black people could perform and we would give and support our, our and give our hard-earned money to these individuals who would perform because this was our form of entertainment. This was was something that was to, uh, for us. Same thing like rap, rap music and rap culture. You know, it's for us. So if a rapper's talking about something that's the streets and, and another community don't really understand it, it's really for us. And then they would give it out to the world and then 
let them scrutinize it however it was. But so going into Miss Viola Davis's performance with uh, Ma Rainey, Ma Rainey is uh, somewhat of a in, in the movie they portrayed her as a a, a almost a a lesbian or a bisexual woman. She she walks around with a uh, a helper called Dusty, and Dusty is a, a girl that she picked up from one of all her travels that she takes care of, and she has a her nephew. And so they're coming up to Chicago and she's driving. Remind you, this is like the 1930s, 1920s, 1930s. No more than 19. I don't think it went up to 1940s, but it's about the 1920s because they, they had a Model T. And mind you, it's a black woman with her nephew. They're driving a Model T in Chicago, her car, brand new driving. So that means she had some sort of wealth. To purchase a brand new car and she she has her nephew driving the car to come up to go to the studio and the car ends up getting into an accident um, with a white uh, man and so the police comes so with the police coming she um, she gets into an argument with a, a, a white man and to get into an argument uh, with a white man in, in the uh and those times was was akin to death, right? You would either be in jail or, or beaten harshly or severely or um, a lot of men and women pay with their lives getting into an argument with a white man and white women at that time. Um, I.E. Emmett Till, um, there's countless other black men who were not as notable who got into trouble getting into an argument with a white man. But here, Ma Rainey is getting into an argument with a white man at this time, broad daylight, and, and they don't like it. But it tells you that she lives life on her own terms, and she is not one for for disrespect. And so, you in in today's time, you definitely see a lot of Ma Rainey's. And but in that time, where people, well, black men and black women had to traipse around in white spaces, um, the penalty was death. Getting in, um, and I and I'm not joking to my audience about that. The penalty is death, and um, even. A little bit of more historical reference. My dad had, there was a term that I used to, uh, you know, it was called the barrel of laugh. And my dad said, yeah, um, if you were a black man and you were laughing in, in public uh, and a white man saw you, you had to turn around and laugh and put your head in a barrel to laugh. So they call it a barrel of laugh. And I researched it and I was like, oh God, this is real. Um, so this is, this is real stuff. So she got into an argument. And then um, one of her, uh, her, her manager came out and then she uh, was able to circumvent the, he was able to circumvent the issue by uh, bribing the police officer to, to everybody go along. She even got her manager to even fix her car. And that tells you the, po- the power of the entertainer, right? And so she has this band and her band is, is comprised of some, some guys. It, it, it's a trump, a, a man that plays the trombone, a, a pianist, um, a trumpet player, a horn player, and um, a bass player. That usually was the the setup for a band at that time. You might have a drummer, um, but I don't think drum drumming. We always had drummers, but really, James Brown. Not really James Brown, but, but she had two horn players. She had a trumpet player, a horn player, uh, a bass player, and and a pianist. 
and the oldest one was a pianist. But um, Chadwick Boseman, this had a very a, a very good cast. But Chadwick Boseman played um, one of the main antagonists in the story, and um, not antagonist in a bad. Well, he was, yeah, not really in like a, a James Bond antagonist. I'm going to come to kill you. He doesn't. He doesn't play that role, but he plays in a very deep character. And in August Wilson's casting, he he, he plays in, his antagonist has is multifaceted, multi-layered. Um. So there's a the the horn player called Levy, and so Levy he um is a very ambitious young man, and he wants to chain up Ma, He wants to change change Ma Rainey's um song and he says you know uh, I'm going to change the song and this is how we should do it because it's what the people like and him and Ma Rainey and all the other guys they come to a head because it's Ma's song it's Ma's everything and um so we're not allowing you to to improve anything because it's it's, it's her it's, it's her personal work and so he he's often having these 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 confrontations of when he gets his band, when I do this, when I do that. And I found his character being very interesting because it was driven almost like um, he had the mentality of a, 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 it's a character trope. And it's excuse for the audience, but it's called almost like a the head nigga in charge uh, trope. Like he wants to be in charge, and um, he just doesn't understand that. It's not his, but he still tries. So he tries to to circumvent Ma Rainey's um, order and the way she's organizing her 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 band and the way she organized the sheet music in the list via a a the the manager who's a white man. And um, when Ma comes in, she shuts it down. And so you see this um, this power struggle amongst the horn player and. Um, which is Chadwick Boseman's character. And you see Viola Davis's Ma Rainey's character and they always button heads and she's trying to work with him as best she could. But here's a woman from the South that has to, that had, she enveloped a lot, even though, and that's one thing that's great about August Wilson's, his character development is that he doesn't, they don't tell you the backstory of every single character, but you can embody the richness in the clothes and the, the speech, the mannerisms. You can tell that this this woman had a very hard life, right? She had to, to literally wrestle the things that she accomplished or the, the things she always had she had to fight for. Like for something so simple as that, when she walked in, she asked for specific demands. And people, they didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that she had demands as a black woman or leading and she was a black woman leading other men black men white men she's telling them around like listen i'm here for 15 minutes i'm here and i'm going to do this and this is how i want it to be done and this is how we're going to do it right now and even down to her getting paid having the band members getting paid she had her her nephew say the beginning so she can give money down to her, her sister and her nephew earn the money off of her off of him being on her record and they paid each individual $25 and he didn't want it she was like you want to pay him you going to pay him now or else I'm not signing the, lead, uh, the the release of the records you know she had a very way of going about it and she lived life on her own terms 
And she tried her best to... I wouldn't even say she she tried her best to be negotiable, but I can tell in her life that she, she gave up a lot of concessions early on in her life that made her that way. And so when she had the power and when she had certain things, even when it seemed that she was being overly forceful, she was just getting what she thought she deserved. And I respected that because a lot of times in life as a black man or black woman, you have these character judgments or you have these these things, these obstacles that aren't really obstacles for other races. And so you have to always feel combative, right? You, every time it feels like you're in a gladiatorial games for something simple, something very simple. Like, um, I'll, I'll give the anecdote one time. I, I And it's something small, but it's something recognizable. And this is the things that black people have to deal with all the time. It's not, sometimes racism isn't this blatant, in your face, N-word this and N-word that, or get out my, you know, those are extremes, but in the North, I can just speak for in the North, it, it, it's, it's, it's like designer clothes, it, it's like a fine wine, the, the, the racism is, is um, it has, it has a richness to it, that it, it's not blatant, it's just subtle, it's subtle, it's smooth, it's like, whoa, you know, like, and if you if you aren't sure about it, like for example, right? So these small, like you, you deal with these what they call microaggressions, whether in a workplace or whether you're shopping or whatever the case may be, or the way people would say hi to the the individual in front of you, which they might be white or they may be another race, they'll say hi or you know welcome to whatever it is, and then when you get your groceries, it's just a purchase. You know, you just you just do a transaction. There's no customer service involved. And so these are the things that we deal with regularly. So Ma has to always make these, she has to always have to con- conflict these things. And so that's why when I saw Ma's character, she didn't come off combative. It, it just came off and, you know, our queens and our black women get the stereotype that they're hard or difficult to deal with. And it's not that they're difficult to deal with. It's just that they know what they should deserve or they should deserve better. But it's sometimes as a man, a black man, a black woman, you you come across these um like these this these kind of like if then else statements, right? It's like a yes or no statement. Like, do I feel like engaging this today? Do I feel like fighting this battle today? You know that you've been transgressed upon, but do you feel like fighting these battles this way? And sometimes you, I, I can't even fault some people for reacting the way they do, even though you might say, oh, this person's going out. But how many times they may have had that issue? That might, that one issue that they may have had or you see on camera may have been the hundredth issue, but their response may have been like, quote unquote, overboard. And you see Ma going through these decisions, constantly fighting through like small things. Like say, she said she wanted a Coca-Cola. Where's my Coca-Cola? gentleman said yo i don't have it do you do you really need it she's like man it's hot i need my coca-cola i come here i'm, I'm gonna make you millions or i'm making but make you some good money i can't get a coca-cola you know it seems like she's being petty but really these are the things she asks for these are the demands she can't she asked for before she even stepped foot from georgia to to chicago but i could see how people say that she's being overbearing but she's really not for example 
I'll give my own little spiel and story. One time, I'm I'm in uh, I'm in one of my favorite stores. I'm in Zara, and I'm buying a uh, I'm in Zara, and I'm buying a suit jacket. I'm buying actually a rather expensive suit jacket. I didn't get the hookup this time, but I'm buying like this, this suit jacket. It's about close to like two, probably two thirty between two thirty two fifty. But I really like the suit jacket. It's a really nice suit jacket. I still got it today. Um, so I'm buying the suit jacket, and um, I think I bought something else. But so my total is like three hundred something dollars, right? So, Zara being the store, one of the stores, this was Zara in the past too, you know, a lot of things changed up, but, so, I walk up to the, um, I walk up to the, uh, the register, and I said, hi, how you doing, I would like to, you know, I'm purchasing this, this, this item, you know, it's a suit jacket, and so, it was a, a very pleasant Indian woman, and I, I looked at her, and she had a uh, very nice jewelry. One thing I realized, you know, my Indian brothers and sisters, they have very nice jewelry. You know, like, I like jewelry, too. So she had very nice bangles, very nice earrings. You know, traditional custom. They have very rich gold, very nice gold. And I watched her. She, she took the time to fold up this, my suit jacket. <laughs> she folded it up and put it in a bag. And I looked at her. I looked at her strangely. I looked at her like she was an alien, right? Because you don't fold up a suit jacket and put it in a regular bag. What you do is... You put my suit jacket in a garment bag. <laughs> you know, like, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm buying a, a high-priced item. I'm spending my money. I'm spending my hard-earned money. I'm spending over $250 in the store on one item. Um, nice suit jacket. But, once again, it's these these, these assessments or these, it's these, um, how do I engage it, right? So, as you get older and as you learn some things, you learn certain things, um, through wisdom or you, you learn it through experience or you just learn it to be tactful, right? So at that time, if I wanted to, to be angry, I, I would have. But I was a little bothered because I was like, as a woman, she's an older woman. She looked in her, like in her 40s. She's at the cash register. She has very nice jewelry. You know, the blouse looks rather expensive. She's well put together. So this is not a woman that doesn't know about nice things. But she, I watched her and I watched her fold up. I, I let her take her time to fold up my, my suit jacket in this bag. And I said, Miss, you're not going to put that in a garment bag? And she said, oh, you would like a garment bag. Why wouldn't I like a garment bag suit jacket? <laughs> Why would I want a crinkled suit jacket that I got to then dry clean if it's dry clean only when I just got it from the store? Why wouldn't I want a suit jacket? You know, so now I have to question whether she think I'm like a layman or I, I don't know any better, right? So these are the things that we deal with. And August Wilson portrays this very well in, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And that's just Ma Rainey's character, which is miraculously paid, played by Viola Davis. And now that I want to go into Levy. Levy is the horn player. He's a young man. He, he has had a lot to deal with and um he, he illustrates a lot of that in his life he illustrate that his mother was raped by white men um he illustrate that his father was killed by white men in the south for fighting for and killing for his mother's honor after he sold he had to sell his land to the individuals that raped his mother so he has this um a lot of personal baggage and you see why he's so combative um 
and so he gets into these argu- the argument with the, the, the rest of the, the bandmates about him trying to sell his, his work or him trying to get studio time to, to perform his music. And so the band players gave him a hard time because they called him a coon. Like, yeah, 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 you calling him, yes, sir, no, sir. And Ma Rainey is on the top of the hill where she, she you watch as she is allowed, she's forcing these individuals who would really have nothing to do with black people. She's forcing them to, to step in her world and she's forcing them to do things and make her demands because she knows she has the leverage. But Levy, on the other hand, he's up and coming, so you watch how they treat him. And so they they take advantage of his, not really his naivete, but they take advantage of him because he's he's trying to get on. So he wrote several songs that they, they said, oh, yeah, we're not really going to perform these songs. These songs are not really what they want, but I'll pay you for them. And they gave him, like, literally $5 for the songs. The songs would would, would have been hit songs, but... He doesn't know that. So he gets into a a few altercations with some of the bandmates. And um, he often talks, he has a dialogue about him not believing in God because of all the, the, the travesty that happens in his life, him, the things that happen to his mother. And so they said, yo, you're, you're, you know, you're blaspheming. Um, but he was like, I'm blaspheming because I, you know, God don't listen to a black man's prayers when have you ever did. And, um, his, his, his character was very, um, very compelling. And so, Levy, he gets into one argument, and then he gets into another argument with, I would say, in August Wilson's plays, he always has a griot. And um, for those who don't know a griot, the griot is almost like the, the African narrator. And his griot was... Um, uh, old black man by the name of Toledo and Toledo was the black old black man who gives the wisdom he gives these these nuggets of, of information of why we need to come together as black people why you know he's always giving some nuggets and um it was hard to get through to Levy because he's a young man he's, he's dealt with a lot and so the the, the character development for Toledo was and there was the other, the trumpet player. I, I, his name fails fails me at the at the moment. But it's, do we tell you anything? As a young man, you need guidance from other older men. But as a young man, do I do I have enough wisdom and let go of some of this hubris to to then listen to my elder? So every time they come up with a solution for him, or they come up with some explanation to help him guide him along his way. He's like, oh, you guys don't know nothing. Oh, you you niggas don't know nothing. Or I know what I'm going to do when I get out of here and I'm going to have my own band and my own thing. And you, you love Levy for his ambition, but you hate him for the way he, he went about it or the way he was so combative to a black organization, right? A, a female head lead, all black men party. There, and this is the 1920s. Jobs are scarce. 1920s, 1930s. Jobs are scarce for black men. You have to traipse around in white spaces. And the only people that look good while working were the musicians, right? Were these people that have to dress good. And so Levy, um, he does something that we often do in our community. He balls out. 
and in the beginning he buys he buys some new shoes for himself uh, at his detriment he basically paid like his two his two paychecks to buy, uh, buy these shoes he, he's paid he basically spent two eleven dollars on the shoes eleven dollars in the 1920s a lot of money to buy new shoes but he did because he felt proud of himself and that was the thing he did but what was interesting about those new shoes is that those new shoes end up being his demise at the end of the movie um the reason why it ended up being his demise is that he ended up stabbing the griot toledo um after he toledo as an older man he, he apologized and he said why did you step on my shoes and coming from an urban environment i knew the consequence of sta- stepping on somebody's tims <laughs> or stepping on somebody's new white air forces you stepped on the wrong person's air forces you you might not make it home that night and so he did that to Toledo he shot he stabbed him in his back and he killed the griot he killed the wisdom and how many times we see that in our our community is that these younger men are basically killing off ourselves while on detriment we kill, we're killing off the older the elder or the wise individual metaphorically and physically we're killing our own um and here's and it was some of the wisdom that was trying to help him guide him out of out, out of his um his stupor you know out of his ignorance so it to, to me it, it almost let me know that when you come across the wisdom the wisdom has the charge of 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 explaining to the ignorant, right? Or to the blind, so to speak. However, it's always a danger when you have to when you have to engage someone that's ignorant or don't want to to listen to your wisdom. It, it may even come off as uh, as you're condescending being condescending toward them. So you, your life is always in danger. And I, I've come across that. Some people you can't explain that to or you can't express that to because they just it's not gonna be it's gonna fall on deaf ears and they're not gonna be receptive to it. So you're just gonna put yourself in harm's way when trying to express that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but that is a uh, a possibility when you're talking in our community. And we saw that play out. And I, and all I just kept saying is, why would Levy stab the griot? Why would you stab an old man in his back? He had nothing. He had he had. He had no qualms about it, you know. He could have gave him two dollars to clean, buy a new shoe, or clean it up. But he he felt as though he he had to stab me. And I know he stabbed him out of frustration, but his frustration and him lashing out towards Toledo was was ill-advised and ill-placed and misguided. He he lashed out on one of the the people that tried to help him. He needed what he needed to do was lash out on the people that was taking advantage of him. Which was one of the the guys that had his sheet music that he was lowballing for five dollars. Um, even Ma Rainey, she she fired him, but there was no excuse for his behavior. But you you understand it, and this is something that happens in our community a, a, a lot. Um, and August Wilson portrays these characters very um, vibrantly with Ma Rainey and. Her, um, her demeanor and how she walks about life, how Levy, the young man, has his chip on his shoulder. He has all the, uh, he has all the, the ambition and charisma in the world, but it's just misguided. And um, 
he doesn't want to hear anything about it. And so that's what I see about the youth. I see that, you know, that happens to the young rapper, the young artist, which is no different. He has all the talent in the world. He wants to come up, but he, he feels as though he's being taken advantage of. And he lashes out on the people who don't need to be lashed out of. And it's usually someone close to you. He lashed out and killed the griot, the wisdom, the irony. But um, if I was to give Ma Rainey's Black Bottom a, a, um, a rating, I would probably give it a 9.5 out of 10 with writing. The only negative, I wouldn't say quote unquote negative, is that it was built for a theater. So the, the, um, the scenes in the setting is, is all the same. So if you're looking for a movie that has multiple visual sets, this is not for you. It's more about character dialogue, character buildup, because it was for a stage. It was for it was a Broadway play. So um, kudos to August Wilson. Kudos to uh, to Miss Viola Davis for playing an, an outstanding role. And um, rest in peace to King T'Challa, uh, the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman the uh, legendary actor because this performance was a riveting riveting performance he, he gave it his all he played a very good role and then even some of the, the soliloquies he had when he was talking to God knowing his circumstance with his cancer you can see that that dialogue is taken to another level because he, he was placing himself in that uh it wasn't even acting anymore. He 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 went beyond method acting. He embodied the role, and um, you can see that he was having a dialogue with God, even though the the, the circumstances were off. They were like he was he was like I you know why God didn't answer my prayers? Do do God really answer my prayers? And you can see the con the the condition and the the you can hear it in his voice the the reflection and the inflection of his voice that he was really talking to the man upstairs because he was dealing with something internal, which was his uh, disease. So you, you can't get a better performance than that because he that's, that's a man that's outside of himself. But um, once again, it's a 9.5 and thank you for listening in. Peace.